Welcome to TA1, everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. I have Jimmy sitting on one arm. Say hi, Jimmy. Hi, Jimmy. And then she gets shy when you put her next to the microphone, huh? And then Stevie sitting in my lap, so chili's around here someplace. Um, so it's uh, Friday night. I'm, I'm recording this, and it looks like the World Championships will finally have a finisher um, sometime tonight. So it looks like it's going to be a very interesting um, World Championships, how they figure out everything. I feel uh, kind of sorry for them that... Uh, you know, who knows all of the stuff that went on and how long it was and how hard it was. It'll be interesting to see what the teams think of this. So just a word of warning. Um, the next few weeks, hopefully, we'll be uh, talking about world championships with some of the some of the racers. I think we can say that will happen. Um, whether there's one next week, a podcast, I'm going to try. But it is Thanksgiving and... Uh, We'll just see if I can get a hold of anybody and get it done. So, um, oh, there's Chili Dog came in. Um, other than that, let's see. I think I'm really finally on the mend. Got my leg issue, I think, under control. So that's good. I'm getting really anxious to spend more time out. Been getting a few hours pretty much every day, but really anxious to get some more. Even though we got some snow today. Which kind of sucks, but it's going to go away tomorrow. 50 degrees and sunshine. So I can live with that. Um, this is our first snow of the year. So um, I guess, should we go? Get on with the uh, show, so to speak, with uh, Abby and Brent Perkis. Perkis. Um, it was an interesting chat. Um, it's kind of fun. They. They actually, they actually knew most of the questions ahead of time that I was going to ask and have discussed them, so that's kind of fun. So, um, I guess that's it. It's Friday night. I should be out having fun, except this is what I do for fun, so I guess we are. Um, go fast, take chances, have a good training weekend, and good Thanksgiving, and hopefully we'll uh, see you next week. Thanks for listening. Oops, are you there? Hey, Randy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Technology is amazing again. Yeah, this is a new one for me. Well, you know, Skype used to have, and they still do have, a video um, conferencing, but the voice over internet just started, I don't know, I just noticed it a while ago. And it works well for me because most people don't remember their Skype login anymore. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's pretty simple. It works good, so... Um, how are you? Good. We just put Zoe to bed and cleaned up for the night and we're excited to chat. Yeah. So, um, okay. I asked uh, Katie Farrington this last week, so I'll ask you, which, which is, which way does it work better? Does adventure racing prepare you for kids or do kids prepare you for adventure racing? Well, I started adventure racing before I had <laughs> kids, so I don't know the answer. Um, <laughs> But we definitely, when, when we were in the delivery room and in the early months of having her, we definitely did a lot of comparing to multi-day racing and 
Yes. More often than not, multi-day racing came out as being harder. Okay. Well, and let's face it, you got that cute little baby face. I, I, I think they get points for that, right? Yeah, she's a lot cuter than we are after four days of racing. <laughs> well, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like the way people look after racing. <laughs> from my, from my perspective, that's you know, it's like, oh, you guys are, oh, just a second, let me take your picture and immortalize you forever. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely good for pictures. So, well, let's um, let's just let's do a little history with you, and then we'll get a little Brett's, and then we'll move on to modern day and all this. So, great, Brett actually uh, just joined in, so we're both here now. Okay, well then you can, we'll we'll see how this works. Here's a question: You guys, I was looking a little stuff. You guys race together a lot, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Since um, 2007, we've done not every race together, but almost every race together that we've done. So, and it's always fascinates me because Paulette and I, we you know mountain bike to race a lot. Okay, everybody knows I don't adventure race, but. Um, so we kind of would split up one after the other. How do you guys not bite each other's heads off on day three? How do we not? Sorry, you were, <laughs> we're having the same <laughs> problem you often have. Our dogs just came upstairs and they're uh, running all over the house. How do we uh, not bite our heads off, Brent, after day three of racing? I'm going to let you answer that one. Oh, practice? A couple years <laughs> of a lot of... I would say failures on the course where there was some biting of heads. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know that it's a conscious thing. I think we did have a couple really rough years where um, we would have a hard time kind of getting on the same page with all sorts of things on the race course. And um, I honestly don't know exactly what fixed it. I think it was kind of um, just doing it over and over and over again. And I think Abby racing with some other people and not racing with me helped quite a bit too. Um, I yeah. think I learned how to, I think, be a little bit more sensitive to her on the race course, which I'm not sure I was always the best at. And I think she mm -hmm. also, and I just got a lot more comfortable with the sport and got a little more comfortable reading me and the fact that it might seem like I'm ignoring her, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. I think that was a big realization. Yeah. That probably leads into that question of history and how we both got into the sport. Yeah. So, yeah, so go with that. Well, before I ask you, let, let me touch on one more thing like that. Um, with Yoga Slackers, with Jason and Chelsea, they, it, it, I think the direct quote is, they're not married when they're racing. Is that the same for you guys, or is it something that you, you, you think, oh, yeah, that's my wife or that's my husband during a race? Yeah, I think we've gotten a lot better at being just teammates on the race course. I think I don't think we did that consciously, but it definitely has evolved into that. There, there are moments though where being in a relationship definitely changes the dynamic. Like in Alaska, when Brent was sort of stealing with sleep monsters on the final paddle, um, I was definitely more sort of aware of of his feeling that way and maybe feeling mm -hmm. a little bit more protective of him than I would have with a different teammate and that played out on the race course and we ended up talking about it quite a bit afterward. Um, there were a couple moments on the course where Brent and Brent can talk about this but he said you know he had that realization of oh my goodness that's the mother of our kid who's about to you know 
cross this teeny tiny ice field and or plummet to her death. And so I, I think that there are moments where we definitely are aware that we're in a relationship, but we've gotten better at putting it aside. Yeah, I actually, you know, when I heard, um, I did listen to that podcast as well, and um, I actually, I don't know if I related better to that statement than Abby did, but it, I, I at least felt like that's exactly how I feel. And um, she may totally disagree with that, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I do feel that way, and I think that was part of, that might have been part of the early conflict we had, is I think I just kind of naturally just kind of naturally took that approach to racing. I think it also um, helps that I'm the navigator, so it's a lot easier for me to kind of be in my own head and, and really kind of adopt that mentality of teammate first um, and really focusing on things that way. And I'm not sure that was true, at least early on. I think you have a little bit of a harder time maybe with that, not hard time with the separation, but I think like you said, I think things are a little bit more personal maybe sometimes for you. And I, I really attribute that, to, attribute that to the navigation, the fact that I'm so fixated on navigation most of the time that I don't feel like there's room for me to think a whole, whole lot about the personal. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I tend to take on more of a making sure everybody's getting what they need kind of role mm -hmm. on the team. So it gets accentuated a little bit with Brent, but I, I sort of feel that way with everybody. Yeah, well... Don't take this the wrong way, but it's the the nurturing, <laughs> I think. I mean, quite honestly, let's you know, men don't care about other men, <laughs> even if they are your teammates. Yeah. Right. Um, it's definitely true. I mean, you said that as much, um, especially with that paddle. I think, and it's harder for you to shut off the nurturing with me than it is with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, when you guys don't race together or one of you is racing and the other one isn't do you worry a little bit excessively because you know what's going on yeah it's funny when we are racing on different teams on the same race course i'm, I'm speaking mm -hmm. from my perspective and brent can answer for his yeah. i don't worry um mm -hmm. i sort of assume that he's having a great time and doing really well and i'll cross paths with him at some point when we are when I'm not racing and he is, I do tend to worry. Um, and I, you know, check the race website more, or the Facebook page, and I'm always eager for the phone call after the event's over. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I don't think I have <laughs> <laughs> old, callous, horrible partner here. Um, I, I don't think I have that problem. And I think part of that is, um, I, I think it it's really only been recently that you have typically done adventure racing. When, when I'm not there, I think since Zoe's mm -hmm. been born, we've done a, started to do a little bit more trading off. Um, yeah. But before that, I think mm, for the vast majority of times that we'd be racing on different teams, we'd still be both doing the race. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you don't have that. Have you ever done this? Because this is this is what gets me with when Paulette's racing. If I'm not there, like when she raced in Patagonia. I mean, I'm I'm not a care in the world. I mean, you know, sort of. It's like, yeah, they're having a good time or whatever. But if I'm at a race covering it and she's there, I'd kind of like worry all the time. I don't and I don't know what the difference is why it matters when I'm there or not. But so, yeah. but you guys have probably never raced and not I've, or have been had, there and not raced. Yeah, I've had that experience twice. The first time Brent did Untamed, I wasn't up to multi-day racing yet, and then last summer. 
Brent did um, the Itera race in Wales and Zoe was three and a half months old. And the three of us went over for a few weeks mm. after, uh, before the race. And then Zoe and I volunteered for the for the five days of racing while Brent and Mark and JD and Jen were racing. Um, and I don't I don't feel like I worried more. Um, I definitely, <laughs> in some ways, volunteering at the race was harder than than racing. Um, yes, especially with a three and a half month old in tow. Yeah, I, bravo to you for uh, that adventure. <laughs> yeah, maybe not my smartest decision, but <laughs> it worked out okay. No. Um, one, don't worry. We'll get to history eventually. You get. You guys are familiar with my ADD. Um, so you guys, you went to Alaska. Did, were there decisions that you made because of Zoe during the race? Like maybe we don't want to go this way. Well, <laughs> or is, at least on your mind. No, but we we did write a will because we were going. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that actually got us to finally sit down and, and hammer out a will. Um, more at the request of my parents yeah. who were taking care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it changed anything at all about you know what we decided to do. But um, as Abby alluded to, I think there were moments where we were doing things whether it was you know a rock scramble or moments on the glacier or some of the stuff later on with pack rafting um where i think for the first time i i was really legitimately aware that if something went wrong there was this really truly significant penalty and repercussion to pay for it um mm-hmm. and for me me it was always kind of looking over my shoulder and you know seeing Abby doing something that was mildly terrifying and kind of imagining the million different ways I'd have to tell Zoe one day that her mother had died in all these different kinds of exciting ways but nonetheless tragic ways um, but no I, I don't think we changed anything because of it no there were moments where I what section was it coming off the bike Zoe and my parents had arrived at the race um, mm. on Wednesday so like day five and we had told them we didn't want to see them until after the race because it didn't seem fair to Zoe for us to you know come in for five minutes and then and then leave um, but I knew they were arriving and we were just coming off this this pretty long leg and coming into the second to last leg of the race um, and I really, I realized as we were we were riding in that I really wanted them to be at the TA. And when they weren't there, I just broke down. Mm. Um, and I'm sure a lot of that was fatigue and lack of nutrition and all of those things. But, but that was a different experience for me too. Just that sort of like deep emotional um, letting letting go of whatever. Um, so th- in that moment, like it, it didn't change anything we did in the race, but definitely having her knowing that she was around impacted how I was in the race. So did that surprise you? It took me, it um, caught me off guard. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Brent, Brent very graciously steered me away from all of the media people that were re- realizing that there was something going on and starting to, to come over with their cameras. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was actually, it we're, was, we're like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was funny. Um, your question about surprise, um, maybe it, surprised Abby it it was interesting for me to kind of foresee it coming because we'd had a bit of a not a rough section but just we were kind of tired and I think at a low point coming off of this this long bike and um, I could tell Abby was not particularly in a great space she'd had some mechanical issues and um, was just ready to get off and she started talking about this hope of, of seeing Zoe and the minute she started talking about it 
I was kind of aware that I had a feeling transition would be a bit of a tough one. Um, mm. And, and it was, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was actually, you know, again, to be the, the cold, harsh, um, careless father slash partner, I was kind of concerned about it um, both then and later on that um, it might be hard um, for both of us. But I think especially I, I thought it might be hard for you to kind of stay in race mode um, if, if, if she was there. So I think in that moment, it was actually maybe, well, actually, you know, at that transition, we had the kind of like a, a timeout. Yeah, um, they were they were low on boats, so we had to hang out for a while. So it actually would okay. have been the perfect time for her to make her appearance. But later in the race, they did show up, and it was kind of a bit of a distraction. <laughs> yeah, we were three <laughs> miles from the finish. All we had to do was bike into Seward, and that trick TA took us like an hour and a half or something. Because <laughs> not, <laughs> not only my parents and sister and Zoe came, but also our teammate John Neely's family came in, and our other teammate Bruce Wong's wife came, and it was just sort of this big family reunion. <laughs> Well, with three miles to go, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> It'll make the movie, though. It probably will, yeah. and it didn't change our, our ranking or anything. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sometimes sometimes you stop and smell the tundra, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, um, okay, history. <laughs> Who started racing first? Adventure racing. me. Um, I mean, yeah, it's. I think this is, I think this will be my, 10th or 11th season coming up so it's been a while yeah um but yeah i was i started first and raced for um uh, basically two seasons before before abby jumped on and then um, we kind of raced once or twice together just um as a twosome and then um some of my teammates um kind of sucked abby onto the team and next thing you know we're all racing together all the time so yeah, I started, I was a competitive swimmer for a long time and had just mm -hmm. gotten into marathon running when Brent and I started dating. And very soon after we started dating, he tried his first adventure race. And um, so I was sort of hearing about it a lot. And uh, a year and a half later, he had just finished his first USA Nationals, called me after the race and said, okay, let's do, let's do our first race together. Let's do it next weekend. Um, <laughs> so he, he rallied and we did a, the six-hour goals ARA sprint. Um, and in some ways, the worst thing that could have happened happened, which is that we won our division. Um, <laughs> and I was coming at it with very little skill um, in any of the disciplines. You know, I was I could road run and I could swim, but but that didn't translate all that well. So I was mostly being dragged around in the woods. And then I was being dragged around in the woods at a pretty high level with the goals team. Um, so when Brent alluded earlier to like me needing to figure it out. It was yeah. largely because it was a, a sort of pressure-filled situation from the jump, and I didn't really have that easing in period. Um, I know you often say in your in your interviews that people either love adventure racing or they run away at the you know right after their first race. And I definitely yeah. it it took me it took me a little while to fall in love with it. That's interesting because most yeah most people don't. Um, why do you think why do you think you you stayed with it? to to get to the point where you are um, I think partly I'm stubborn <laughs> and wanted to figure out why it wasn't quite clicking mm -hmm. and partly I liked the idea of me and Brent doing it together even yeah. though it was probably the most conflict ridden part of our relationship for our first couple years of marriage um, which you know if adventure racing is the thing that you're fighting most about you're probably doing something right yeah I think um, so and then yeah, I just, I have enough 
I'm not as competitive as a lot of people, but I have enough competitive drive to really want to sort of figure out how to get better at it. Um, and as Brent said, racing with other people and seeing the levels of competitiveness that different teams bring to it. Some, you know, I raced on a few all women's teams where we were really just out for an afternoon of fun. I raced my first multi-day race with Team Armed um, Adventure Racing Maryland, which they're great guys, but we didn't go into that race with super high expectations and we sort of took it, you know, slow and steady and finished and we're, we're really happy with it, but it wasn't a super competitive experience. Um, and having those different experiences really showed me that I liked racing at that higher level and I wanted to put myself in a position where I could succeed at it. So what, what did it take then to succeed? Mm. Time, <laughs> time, a lot of hard work, a lot of training. <laughs> yeah. I think all of those things, I think a willingness to, to put aside relationships and just be teammates on the course. Mm. Um, I think a willingness to push beyond my comfort zone in training. It's really easy to go out and run with friends all the time and not really push yourself. Um, yeah. So it, it took me a while to figure out the difference between going out and having fun and racing. Yeah. Well, but you were a competitive swimmer, so you kind of had that background of um, not having fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely I knew what it felt like. I just didn't know what it mm -hmm. felt like for 24 hours on end. Yeah. So and Brent Brent had the opposite experience and he can sort of tell you about his background but he was really really good at and really taken by the sport from the from the get go. So 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 what you're saying is you're the natural, huh? I I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't say that. There's there's some there are a lot of racers that are far more natural than I could ever hope to be, but I think mentally, I, I feel like it, it was something that came very naturally and enjoyment of it was, was very natural. Um, yeah, I've been very intrigued and taken with the sport for a long time before I actually started it. So, um, Since Eco Challenge. Yeah so, yeah, so it was just exciting to get involved in it and then yeah. to start having success right away was, um, relatively right away, was, was also pretty exciting and it made it yeah. uh, pretty easy to just keep going with it. Yeah, so you're one of the uh, like eco eco quest eco challenge TV alums. Absolutely, that... yeah. I started watching eco. Uh, you know, it was on. Um, I guess when I was in middle school and high school, uh, mostly high school and um, mm. just after high school. And yeah, I remember. I don't know when I first saw it. It was either British Columbia or Australia, so pretty close to the beginning. And yeah, I just remember being um, just absolutely amazed and. Um, you know, watching it, thinking, I don't know how this is humanly possible, and imagining that it would be a great thing to do one day, never thinking I actually would. Um, asking my, I went to boarding school, so I would ask my dad to tape it for me every year when I was away, and uh, would kind of watch it over and over and over again. So, I, yeah, I was a little obsessed with it for a while, but again, purely as just kind of a fan. Um, and then I kind of more or less, I feel like I actually more or less forgot about it, I guess, for a few years during college. And then um, when I moved to Philadelphia, I'm not from Philadelphia originally, but when I moved here for my work and met Abby, um, she she says that I was looking for something to do because I was jealous of her marathon running, which maybe subconsciously was true. I don't really remember it being that, <laughs> that, that, that inspirational, but... Um, I think I was looking for something to do on my weekends when she was out doing her long runs and having fun running with people. And I actually got into it um, 
through Craigslist of all things. I bet you haven't heard that one before. No, that's a new one. Um, so yeah, I, you know, kind of did a quick Google search and we're, we're really, really lucky and fortunate that we, you know, have, um, the goals of venture racing association in our, in our area. It's one of the kind of most, um, longest running organizations, most active organizations. And, um, they've been putting on events for over a decade now. So, um, you know, I think I was lucky to have races right in my backyard when I was looking for them. But I had no one to race with, so I put a post up on Craigslist back when Craigslist was a little safer and kind of ended up with a random guy and organized a few other teams of random people and we raced together and never really talked to each other again. But it was a great time. So <laughs> huh. So that was it. Yeah, I started with the sprint race with goals and did a 12-hour race that first year and kind of moved up to 24s the next year and the rest is history. So you're you you were the proverbial. I did it. Yeah, I want to keep doing this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So did you have any? What did you have any athletic background? I really had absolutely no athletic background. Um, huh. I mean, I played you know recreational sports in high school, but I, you know, I'm relatively tiny and was never big enough or strong enough to make varsity sports and anything. So never really did that. Um, also, just I you know I found that I was really. I found after the fact that I'm a really competitive person, but for whatever reason reason in high school, I was not a competitive-minded athlete at all. And I think it was it was probably largely because of a lack of confidence. And um, I like sports, just never really was you know all that passionate about any one thing. But I, I've always loved being in the outdoors, and um, had a lot of experience through summer camp. And my parents lived on a you know, right on the kind of backed up against just hundreds of acres of open woods. And I'd go wander off by myself when I was a little kid, spend a couple hours in the woods every day. And it, it was great. So I fell in love with the outdoors. And I think that's what really drew me to the sport more than the athletic piece. And the navigation. Yeah. Yeah. The navigation too. But again, I, you know, I liked the navigation a lot um, immediately, but I, I never really did it outside of kind of learning basic map and compass skills at overnight camp in my summers up in uh up in new, in vermont and new hampshire yeah so. but but there's some something to be said about that um the the the, the having the woods yeah yeah i'm i mean i spent my weekends um and vacations you know just you know whether it was by myself or uh with a good friend of mine we would just be out for hours just exploring and you know, there are a few trails out there, but mostly it was just kind of wandering off trail. And I mean, that's obviously like, uh, for a lot of us, at least, I think it's our favorite part of, of the sport of adventure racing is that, that exploration and, um, you know, kind of wildness of it. And that was yeah. just something that I kind of started doing at a really young age and never stopped doing. So yeah, it, it I think set me up very well for the, that part of adventure racing at least. Yeah. I think that's, a. Uh... That's the other way. To, I mean, if you stop and think about it, that wandering out around in the woods your entire childhood is pretty good background for adventure racing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's not. Uh, you you were just looking for a vessel for all that experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, okay. Here's a variation of my question: Is your best and worst six hours of racing when you were been together or separately together i think 
We've actually talked about this a lot, but not recently because you stopped asking that question in your interviews. Um, I kind of did, I'm not, and I'm not sure why, but we'll bring it back. Yeah, we've <laughs> listened to your podcasts like on road trips, and then we've paused them and said, okay, so what's your best six in your um, – what do you think, B? I, in some ways, so we've we've each done a f- handful of multi-day races, and we mm-hmm. really like doing sort of one multi-day a year, um, or we, yeah. we have the time and, and resources to do one a year at this point. Um, and then we do a fair amount of, you know, 24-hour type racing. And yeah. some of the most sort of memorable moments actually come from those 24-hour races. Um, one of the, you know, the, the worst six that often comes to mind for me was at USARA Nationals in uh, in New York. Um, and we had had this absolutely amazing first like 10 hours of racing. And then the wheels just came off and we spent probably six hours wandering around fields of rhododendron, finding zero checkpoints um, wow. in the middle of the night. And we did that largely because we had read the directions wrong and made a mistake on a time cutoff. Um, but those six hours were some of the most frustrating I can ever remember in any race environment. Scotland. <laughs> I broke my foot on night three of Scotland. Um, that- and I didn't know it. And I thought I was just kind of being a wuss and ended up being tethered to Brent for much of the rest of the race, but finishing it. Um, so mm. in hindsight, Scotland is sort of a spectacular achievement. In the moment, it, it was pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, what is it about women that don't know when they broke something. <laughs> well, we discovered with Paulette that she broke her back in Patagonia in, that, in the wind when she got thrown off her bike. And she kept and, and, Yeah, she didn't know it. She, here, wow. We didn't know that until she broke her back again. And they're looking at the x-rays and like, oh, you broke your back sometime. And wow, that's crazy. Like, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you guys are just too tough for us men. I'd be curled up in a little ball. <laughs> or just too stubborn. I'm not sure. Yeah, something like that. So I so. gave you two worse. I didn't give you any best, but I'll let Brent. Uh... Yeah, let's have, we'll have Brent's best. Oh, uh, my best. Um, huh. Yeah, worst is always easy. Um, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Um, best. Pack rafting through Alaska. Well, you know, oh, there were so many things from Alaska. There, yeah, I mean, Alaska. Alaska was like one big best. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one pre-Alaska. It, we okay. were together. It was um, 2012 Untamed when we did the Dead River. Mm, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Got on first thing in the morning. Kind of hit it perfectly where we were kind of getting in right when the dam release was happening. So the water levels were going up and. It was just this, you know, unbelievable kind of primordial atmosphere of mist and fog and um, the forest on every side and um, the sun was only beginning to come up so the light was very kind of something. I don't know. It was, just, it was spectacular. And yeah. we had this amazing wildlife um, encounter with a, a Canadian lynx and some deer where um, a Canadian lynx was mauling a, uh, a fawn on one side of the, the, the river. And uh, the mother deer was swimming across the river to save it as the first boat of our team passed by. And there was a moment of kind of delusion, I think, with uh, it was Abby and Mark Latanzi up front. And 
they're shouting about what they're seeing and they're shouting about a cat with a fish and then there's a moose swimming across the creek <laughs> and you know we come around the corner um jp and i who are in the back we come around the corner and see what's going on and like there's no fish here there's no moose here what is going on and it's just kind of pandemonium but yeah the the mother deer kind of came across the the river and um took a shot at the at the uh, lynx that you know the lynx then throws the the fawn up in the air and darts back out in the woods the mother's chasing the 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 lynx the fawn swimming across the river like right next to our pack raft clearly panicked and you know in a bit of trouble and it was just this unbelievable kind of experience that you're never going to have outside of yeah. you know adventure racing and the whole dead river just felt like you know who's ever done this before i'm sure a few random people actually do but you know at the moment you feel like you're the first person to be there and you know centuries it was just it was spectacular and the pack rafting was wonderful yeah. and one of the greatest things ever but um yeah uh, i mean alaska i mean you heard about the glacier and just the trek up to the glacier was magnificent and then the first especially the beginning of the glacier when we had to kind of work our way up the ice walls was it was just unlike anything we've ever done before and the pack rafting every single time we were in the pack raft was just yeah, we just kept saying to each other, like, can you believe we're in the middle of Alaska pack rafting down a river? And it always happened to be at like 1130 at night, this perfect skylight, you know, because it was basically 24 hours of daylight. It mm -hmm. was magical. Yeah. Did you expect Alaska to be that good and that hard? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I think it was really clear going into that race that this was going to be something different. I mean, it's, I'm not going to say we, you know, like totally knew what we were going to get ourselves into because we've never been there before. And, you know, the thing that really impressed me most was the rivers, you know, in mm -hmm. that you know, we've been on rivers. I've been on rivers all my life. You know, even as a kid, I would, you know, whitewater paddle up in New England and things like that and canoes. But there's something about just those Alaskan rivers, just, I mean, obviously the temperature of the water, but just how strong they are. I mean, I've just never been in water outside of like a whitewater raft maybe that's that's moving that fast. And you just kind of felt like you were caught up in it all the time. And um, it took a lot of learning on the, on the fly for us to get kind of comfortable with the way the water flowed. But mm. I think that we all had enough paddling experience that it was never outside of the very beginning the first time we did it it was pretty sketchy but once we kind of got our bearings we we really had a great time with it it was also That's one of those races where like we had raced the four of us had raced in different iterations dozens of times together but we had never raced as a unit of four and mm -hmm. it's rare that you have those moment, moments where the team dynamics just feel perfect and you really trust every single one of your teammates and you know that you're all looking out for each other's best interests and like really working together so that the sum of the parts is better than each individual. And that was one of those races where almost from, from the jump to the end, it, it felt that way, which was pretty special. Why? <laughs> I know that's probably very hard, hard to, to get to uh, explain, but do you have a, do you have a theory why you why you mesh so well? Well, I mean, as Abby said, I mean, the, the great thing about that race for us personally is that um, it was, um, you know, goals, years ago, goals, the core team of goals, ARA was Bruce Wong, John Neely, um, Kristen Diefenbach, and a guy named uh, Jeremy Kulin. And um, that kind of core broke up quite some time ago, I think probably eight or nine years ago now. Um, 
and Abby and I kind of came in and, and filled some of those spots and then we kind of had a rotation of some regulars that kind of filled in um, but you know I think that we had five or six really great years racing mostly with Bruce but then John would come in sometimes and like Abby said it just for whatever reason it never worked out that the four of us actually raced together um, and then Bruce kind of semi-retired a couple of years ago and uh, we've had kind of just a lot of flux and changes in the team over the last few years so I think that the great thing about Alaska for us is it was kind of like a almost like a reunion race where we got to kind of team up with Bruce again for the first time in several years and you know race with John um, in an expedition which we hadn't done before I had done it for my very first one years ago but um, I think just the excitement of having kind of the old kind of the old not the original team but like one of the older teams of goals kind of come back together again it was just it was just really exciting and i think we went yeah. into the race just um really excited to be with each other and uh we weren't concerned at all with the competition part of it we knew that it was a race that uh for various reasons worrying about placement probably wasn't in anybody's best interest so we just kind of went into it as a as what Dave Adler had said we should um, with the mindset of that this was going to be just an expedition. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, that made a big difference for us both in terms of our success in the race um, but also the experience of the race. Yeah, we said afterward that we had the most boring race of anybody in Alaska because we didn't, like, we didn't have issues or when we did have issues we were able to manage them in a way that was, you know, cautious in some moments but, you know, still moving forward and, and relatively responsible and we were really we were really proud of the fact that we were one of the three teams that didn't end up having to get moved by the race personnel at all and that when we did have issues we were just we were able to come together as a team and figure out and problem solve yeah that's a, a pretty good um testament to how well you did yeah you know you were up there uh doing quite well but you think part how much let me ask you this, if you can think, how many years of experience on your team for that race total, if you add everybody's up? Yeah, we talked about that a fair bit during the race. It's well over 40 years. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'd say well over 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Bruce and John racing expedition races very, very consistently since the Primal Quest days. Yeah. yeah. So just the, the level of technical experience the two of them have, especially Neely. Um, who you know has played navigator on a lot of those teams and and just is really really proficient. Bruce is as well, but but John really shined in that role. Um, yeah, yeah, he he's a you know I always say this, but I haven't met anybody that's not nice in adventure racing yet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you because you've you know you're on the East Coast, you see a lot more people. Have you ever run into a dick adventure racer? <laughs> <laughs> uh no i don't think i would say that i mean i i you know i do Brent's gonna get himself into trouble here yeah well, okay everybody has a bad moment i, I might and we're, but, not, um, and, and no, we're I, not counting those <laughs> I, i'm not going to condemn any any one person or you know yeah. name names but i you know every once in a while i have to say i think that um i think you do run into teams i think they often tend to be maybe less experienced teams, but, um, but I think lose track a little bit of the fact that at its core adventure racing is really more about, I think, community and shared experiences than it is about kind of individual or, um, you know, kind of individual team gains at the expense of others. 
Um, and I don't think it, it, it all comes from a place of malice, but I, I think it, it really um, sometimes becomes evident that it, it, it might be people that, again, I think tend to be less experienced and maybe less connected to the whole community that um, don't necessarily realize that there's more important things to the sport than um, maybe points in a point series or technicalities of a, of a race ruling or, um, you know, things that at the end of the day just, just aren't that important. Those are also probably people that don't show up again or don't show up, you know, year after year. Yeah. That's very possible. I I don't know. So uh, that, that's what I would say. And again, I don't think it's that they're, they're inherently, you know, bad people or, you know, anything like that. I, I just think that sometimes there's a few people that I think their priorities maybe are a little bit different than the vast majority of adventure racers. You know, and, and, I think maybe part of that is if if it is a they are a person like that, nobody's going to want to race with them more than once. So, well, that can be might. that certainly can be true. Yeah. 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 Okay. Here's a really stupid question, and I just thought of it. Do you think the sport would be different if they called it racing adventure? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just ignore that one because that's kind of dumb. But. But I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, because a lot of times the emphasis is on adventure, not racing. So I think it's such a niche sport and something that, you know, we who do it regularly have to constantly explain to people what is Mm -hmm. adventure racing? Is it obstacle racing? Is it mud runs? Is it these things that um, the name ends up becoming sort of secondary to the experience? But Mm -hmm. it's an interesting question because the name came came from something and and it clearly came from a lot of people feeling like this was more adventure and experience and expedition than, you know. Yeah. Well, and I think in the early days it really was. Um, you know, my my fallback on that is like when 100-mile mountain bike races started, it was a big deal to ride 100 miles on a mountain bike. Sure. And now it's, now it's, now it's a race. I mean, you know, when the first Leadville was just, Let's all get through this, you know. Can we ride or are we gonna die riding hundred miles on our mountain bikes? And now it's like yeah, it's a serious race. So I think the adventure adventure racing started out as an adventure and now is more of a racing. Of course now I think we're going back with worlds. I think it's gonna be an adventure. Oh my goodness. This, this race just that just looks epic in the true sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I posted today i'm not i'm not totally unhappy i'm not there because <laughs> well and you <laughs> don't a lot of things there, so yeah maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe not the best fit for you down there with all that water yeah well and then i'm looking at it and there's like i don't think there's going to be any daily coverage because mm. man you're out in the middle of nowhere and there's no um what i was talking about to them with going is basically they're going to put everybody on a boat and then have like uh you know like a big boat, like a yacht, and then run with uh, Zodiacs around. So oh, wow. there's no going back to the hotel to upload pictures. So you, mean, you didn't want to go hang out on a party boat for 10 days in Brazil? <laughs> you know, if it had worked out, I, I'm, I'm glad it didn't with being so sick and everything, but yeah. if it had worked out, I'd have gone. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're feeling a lot better, though. I am. I've got one little leg issue we can't figure out. That I have a leg that looks like the Hulk because it keeps swelling, but huh. I'm able to go out and do stuff and 
I'm going to be I'm going to be ready for Belize in February anyway. So that's all that really I care about right now. So. Yeah. yeah, I felt bad for you I mean, when you were mentioning. I don't know if you still think that it was pneumonia or partly pneumonia, but uh, I had pneumonia over the kind of late winter this year that just wreaked havoc with my training for Alaska yeah. and everything. And it, you know, it was no fun. And, it, it yeah. you know, you, you keep thinking that you're feeling well enough to start doing something and you realize you're just not. No, this, the way I've described it to people, I don't know if I said this on the podcast is I was sleeping in a chair cause I could breathe Yeah, and I'd, and I'd wake up and just, it, and this was ended up being part of it too. I got totally dehydrated, no blood pressure, but I, there'd be a big glass of water sitting beside me and I'd look at it and I'd be like, I'm too tired to reach it and drink and I'd fall back asleep. Yeah, yeah. And I'd w- I'd wake up two hours later and like, man, I'm really thirsty, and then fall back asleep. <laughs> wow, so, that's really scary. It was, you know, Paul. That's a nurse practitioner, like family practice doctor, fortunately, and she was actually concerned for a while. So I guess I was pretty sick if she was concerned. Yeah. <laughs> but but yes, I'm feeling much better getting out. Um, I'm actually to the point where I I have to be careful because I feel like I could. I could go out for a five or six hour hike and that would be really bad. Yeah. So I'm limited to like an hour and a half, two hours and you know, it's, it's fine. So it seems well. we're getting better anyway. It, it is kind of fun. Cause I, while I was sort of sick and getting better, I watched all my videos cause I'm <laughs> narcissistic, but I could see, I could hear myself getting sicker through the whole race. Uh. So it's just like, yeah, you should have probably paid attention, but that's you know, tough to do in the middle of a race, though. Yeah, and and you don't think about it because I was a, I was a little sick before I went, but you know, and I attributed it to the fact that I've been working hard and hadn't been training, you know, and and then you're at altitude, so that's why, and it's dusty, and everybody's sick, and you know, so yeah, just a denial. Volunteering at Wales, I realized that the racers are able to take far better care of themselves than the volunteers are. Yeah, I mean, every racer should volunteer. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a good experience. So. Also, I mean, um, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to this, but directing races too, I think, is a really valuable experience for racers to have it. I think it, being a racer makes you a better race director, and being a race director mm-hmm. makes you a better racer. Yeah, absolutely. Which is exactly where I was on. Was the next was where we we're going to go next. How did you know? Perfect. <laughs> so you guys have a new team. We do. Team. We have a new team and a new organization. So, why? What? What are? What do you want to do different than you've been doing? Well, I mean, I think. You know, we obviously we love the sport. We've been involved mm-hmm. with it for a long time. Um, you know, we've been working with goals ARA for you know nine or ten years, um, racing as goals ARA obviously as their race team. But uh, um, Abby and I and a lot of our our teammates as well um, started kind of helping with the race direction uh, probably seven or eight years ago, um, and really kind of consistently helping out with race direction, ranging from sprints to twelves to twenty fours, and. Um, you know, we've, we've really loved it. And I, I mean, Abby and I started directing together, I guess probably six races ago, um, started with a sprint race. I think we did two sprint races and then 
um, for the three of the next four years after that, we did, uh, we, we directed the 24 hour race, designed it, um, for, for goals. And, you know, again, we've been lucky to be able to be affiliated with an organization, um, like that. And, uh, Ann and Bill have been great to work with. And I think we learned a lot, um, about kind of the other side of racing by kind of working with them as race directors. Um, and I, I think ultimately, you know, I think we just kind of, you know, started feeling a number of years ago, kind of daydreaming a little bit about, um, you know, maybe kind of just trying to trying to um, do things more holistically um, as racers and race directors and playing around with some new ideas. And uh, so that's kind of what led us to to this point and um, uh, decided to, to take a shot at it now and start laying the groundwork for it for for next year. Um, I think in terms of what we want to do differently, um, I think, you know, we still want to offer, um, some traditional adventure racing. I mean, that's what we love most and we want to offer that to our, to our racers. And, um, we also kind of feel like an important part about the sport is really kind of developing other types of events that, um, will help feed people into the sport of adventure racing. Yeah. So I think we're, we're, you know, a lot of our focus is actually, ironically, we were thinking about this as an adventure racing organization, and it is, but um, probably most of our events are going to be um, non-traditional adventure-based races. So, you know, we're going to do um, next year for our first year, we're going we're gonna to do a foot-only event, which will be kind of part Rogaine, part orienteering, part adventure racing navigation Mm -hmm. um and uh we're gonna run a trail series that will uh allow for kind of traditional trail running but we'll also have um an event that uh allows people to kind of do uh choose your own what are we calling it run your own adventure run run your own adventure where um Mm -hmm. you know the racers will start off at a common start line but then as they run a course they're going to encounter a few different locations where they'll be able to kind of make a quick decision about whether to go one way or another um, with both options ultimately leading back to the same point. Um, There'll be some very basic map reading involved in that um, and everything will be kind of pre-plotted. So, you know, we're hoping to get people exposed to things like map reading and, you know, off-trail travel, but in a really, really controlled way to start. Um, We also are going to throw on a family event next year, which we've actually started designing and um you know actually are, are mostly done designing that one and uh, we're really excited about about that um and then we have a 24-hour race that we're doing at the end of the year um in in and around philadelphia and we've been really excited about this event for a long time and we've been toying with the idea for a while it was actually one of the things that led us to do to to break off and start our own organization now because Ann and Bill are incorporated outside of Philadelphia and we live in the city and by living in the city and being incorporated in the city, we actually have access to different kind of permits, um, which makes racing or designing a race in Philly a little bit more financially possible. Um, Mm -hmm. And Philadelphia is an incredibly green city. We have one of the biggest, if not the biggest um, park system in the entire United States. And we happen to live half a mile from what dozens of miles of, of single track trail and, you know, technical mountain biking and great running. And so we really, we know the area really well. It's really yeah. rich in, in natural space, not just urban space. And we'd like to expose people to all of that. Yeah. But you are going to put a checkpoint on the Maniunk Walt, right? 
Oh, we hadn't thought about that. Maybe we will. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We actually we live three miles from there, so yeah. we're really close. So, um, and I don't know. This is a, a little bit of history going way back, but I raced the first four core states championships. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, back in the. Still, one of my proudest moments is Phil Liggett telling everybody that I've abandoned the race on ESPN. So <laughs> you'll have to oh, come back oh. up for it. It, I, you know, I'd like, to, yeah, because it's become such a a real race. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, so. it's a big deal. It's pretty big for the city. How yeah. do you uh, how do you remember the wall? Is it as as bad as people think it is? Um, man, uh, it is when you're going fast. Yeah, how's that? I mean, yeah, if you just want to ride up it, I don't think it's that bad. But yeah, yeah, I remember trying to trying to. Here was the thing back in the day, um, I was, I could go all day, you know, that was my thing. My, my first ultra marathon road ride, I finished fifth in the far, fifth and the four guys in front of me had all won the race across America. So, oh my gosh. And I thought, oh, I should go do this 156 mile race. Cause that'd suit me. And you know, the conventional wisdom in the day is, you know, pro races started out slow and then just hammered the last, you know, hour. And I think perfect for me because I can ride slow easily. Um, and Philly has never been that way. It's always been a hammer fest. From the first year, it's, you know, the first mile of the first year, it was hammer. And I don't think it's ever stopped. So um, mm. it, it sucked. <laughs> but I had fun every time I went. So Yeah. Um, so, okay, yeah. Put one on the Maniac wall just for me. All right. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. So, um, so did you, I don't think you mentioned the name of the team is Rootstock, which is obviously um, you're, you're trying to grow the sport, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a, we had a, actually a really great time coming up with the name for it. We, um, yeah. we brainstormed all sorts of different ideas, and uh, actually most of the individual – race names that we're using were all kind of on the table at one point or another as potential organizational names yeah organizational names but um i don't know abby do you remember exactly how we got to rootstock i remember throwing rootstock out as an option one night when we were putting zoe to bed and it was on a long list of of options um and i think i i threw it out there in part um it's my favorite orienteering sort of symbol. I love going out in the woods and finding rootstocks. I just think they're absolutely incredible to look at. Um, mm -hmm. I liked the alliteration. But... I think I was somewhat resistant at first because she's yeah. so obsessed with rootstocks <laughs> that I couldn't really stomach it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I yeah. came around it because I kind of privately love rootstocks as well. Um, yeah. I liked how rootstock racing sounded. I like how, I, I like the imagery that could come from it. So we have, I actually, I am a, history professor and I work at a school that has a fantastic design program and so we had a team of graphic design students do a logo for us and now they're actually working on some individual race logos for us um, cool. so we loved the images we liked that it it was a little bit less sort of stately than some of the other names sort of less serious than some of the mm -hmm. other names we had come up with which it felt like it suited our personalities a little bit more we had some really yeah. esoteric ideas that were more about sort of what adventure racing evokes for us. And then we realized that they would need explanation, which isn't so good for a race organization name. Yeah, I, I like it. So, um, 
Which was harder, naming the organization or naming Zoe? The organization. The organization. <laughs> yeah. Much, much harder. That's so, such a funny question. It totally oh, was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, we got we got to you know we had moments. I mean, we we, we talked about it for like, I was gonna say at least a month or so. Yeah. And and not just like a couple times over the course of a month, but like every other day intensively for a month or so. We sent out emails yeah. to teammates and to racing friends, asking their non-racing and, friends, yeah. and yeah. Uh, yeah, we have moments where we were just kind of throwing our hands up in the air, saying, "Just draw out of a hat." I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now Zoe, yeah. Zoe was easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, everybody. See, everybody, this is what race directors have to do. They have to spend a month just coming up with a name. So <laughs> it's hard. It takes some time, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I really like, you know, I was looking at some of the races you're doing, and I like the, the run your own adventure. I think I, I'm, I'll be really curious to see how that works and if, you know, maybe other people might be interested in doing something like that. Um, yeah, that's it. Mark, yeah, Mark Van Tongeren, Tong in I think I said it wrong again does kind of the same thing in Michigan it's it's like a 5k but there's one that's way harder right but yeah yeah or is it it's like a little shorter but it's way harder or something like you know but yeah so we um we've you know we've been in touch with Mark a little bit and you know we've yeah. you know, he's been a great resource he's been a great resource yeah. and I think he's he's you know he's great for the amount he's sharing online and through your podcast and um you know i think that resources like that are tremendous for everybody um yeah yeah i, I think it sounds like a really cool event i think um i think the difference is with ours is there's going to be you know several different choices within the race versus mm -hmm. kind of having to make a commitment at the beginning to one or the other okay um, yeah but you know the ultimate outcome yeah you're right it, it's kind of the same thing where you, you kind of have to make a judgment call and you're not going to really know until you try it so there you go. Yeah. 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 Like like a choose your choose your adventure book. It's only it's yeah. A choose right. That's your exactly race. where the name came from. Well, yeah. A good a good friend of ours who um you know he actually came to us you know Bill Donahue is a is a great friend of ours and a local racer here and uh, he he came to us as a you know a friend and we invited him to come work with us as a race director um, for next season and uh, he actually kind of approached us with with the broad idea of choose your own adventure and, and laid it out exactly the same way of you know comparing it to the the classic books and um you know the three of us kind of sat down and hashed out um, more of the details to kind of get to a more polished version of, of the original idea but that's exactly the inspiration is uh kind of the same the same thing where you're gonna have a couple different choices throughout the throughout the run and you know each one's gonna maybe lead you to something different and different challenges and you know, you have to make those decisions on the fly. Yeah. So, yeah cool. I hope. Sorry. Go ahead, Randy. No, I really hope. It, I really hope it works. I'm. I'm quite. <laughs> in, I'm quite excited to see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. One of the things we're really excited about with the organization, in addition to the individual events, and we have we have lots of ideas. We have some expeditions we'd like to develop, and you know, some other single sport events. But we especially like that we're really trying to make it a collaborative process. So many of our teammates um, who are going to come and race with us as Rootstock are also going to be designing events and having people like Bill, who's a, a local racer with a ton of local knowledge and is really sort of savvy and um, having him come and do one of the uh, run your own adventure races. We just love that, that we can create a community for Rootstock as we're trying to create a broader community for the sport. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's it. You, you can do it yourself, but not for very long. Yeah. <laughs> so. And wanting to um, keep racing and having two full-time jobs yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my next question is what is, what are you guys going to be doing personally next year? You got any, do you have a, anything picked out or are you still waiting? As racers, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing we're most excited about right now, um, registration actually opens on Monday. So we're going to be doing uh, the iTerra race in Ireland. Um, cool. We're teaming up with Mark Latanzi. This will be my second and oh. third time doing the UK races with him. I guess technically Ireland's not in the UK. but um, Yeah, you don't want to be with him. He's no good. Doing <laughs> What's he know? <laughs> and then Jim, Jim Driscoll's joining us as our fourth. We're, we're like 98% sure of that. Um, yeah. so we're really excited for that team and um, yeah. that's, that's going to be the big one for the year. I'm sure okay. we'll end up doing some smaller local races as well. Yeah. But, you know, like you said, you, you can do right now, you can do one a year. So you pick the one you're going to have the most fun with, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think as long as James keeps directing races, we'll, we'll fly out for it. This, the first two, we were the only American team there. I think this time we've recruited some friends. So, well, I get, I, yeah. um, I got to talk to him yeah. because it looks like I'm going to be at least at at least three World Series races. So, I mean, he doesn't want to be left out, right? <laughs> which, <laughs> ones my... you, which ones are you heading to? Are you allowed to say or is that top secret? Um, well, I'm going to Belize, Cowboy Tough, and it looks like it's not official yet. Um, God Zone. Oh, great. Oh, that's so, awesome. That's, that's yeah. awesome. So, and of course, if that happens, and I got to, Craig's got to pony up and bring me down to XPD for Worlds next year. So, yeah. <laughs> we are very, very uh, cautiously flirting with the idea of trying to get to, uh, to Worlds as well. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, at, le at least they speak English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while. Well, sort of. It's Australian, but it's still sort of English, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So, okay. Um, this is this has been cool. You guys, are, you guys are great. Do you know that? You know, you work together really well. Or have you figured that out already? Well, I think we, we more just put on a good show and <laughs> make sure people don't see the tears and the screaming. Right. Um, yeah. We're, bo we're both teachers, so. so we know how to talk to people. <laughs> ah, that, there you go. All right. So here's the final question, but I'm going to change it a little bit. So if you're getting ready to go, are you still packing Zoe's diaper bag as you walk out the door? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's more the, the logistics of, you know, doing the handoff to whoever's going to be looking out for her for the days or weeks or whatever it's going to be. Um, so. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. at this point... I think partly because of Zoe. I mean, Zoe. She's so easy. She's so easy, but she also just, you know, the nature of being parents with a baby or any child, but certainly a, a baby is that we have to make sure everything else is done. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, I know, I don't know if it was um, one of your racers from South Africa, but talking about how the last 24 hours is, is for family. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that for us it's a, a similar kind of approach of saying that you know we need we need to be able to breathe at the end there and you know for her sake especially now we just have to be so much more efficient both 
with getting ready for say a race, whether it's a sprint race or a expedition race, but also now with, with rootstock and everything, like we just, I mean, efficiency is like, we're doing statistical surveys on it every day yeah. to maximize <laughs> every minute of our day to make sure we're able to get stuff done. But we also have time to breathe and hang out with her and relax a little bit and, at night and things like that. Going back yeah. to your original question though, like your, your first question, um, Adventure racing has made us much more adaptable and adaptive parents. And mm-hmm. it's also made her a really adaptable kid. Yeah. So she's not somebody that requires a ton of things to keep her happy. So she's actually really easy to pack. For. You know, diapers are important. But like yeah. the handoff piece is far harder than the actual gathering her stuff. She's she's happy to run around in the woods. Like That seems to be her, her happy place, which is great. There for you her. go. Well, then that tells me you're doing something right already. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, cool. Well, I'm going to – it's late where you are, so we'll say goodbye, and you can go look at her and then go to bed, right? <laughs> yeah. Sounds something, like a plan. Something like that. So. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, Randy. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you. All right. It's been great. Hopefully we'll cross okay. that soon. Hopefully. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.